All right, grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles. Everybody grab your Bibles. We're going we're gonna to look at, we're going to finish, Lord's willing, we're going to finish chapter number 13. And uh, we're, basically, we're basically looking in at the first missionary journey. Say that with me. The first missionary journey. The first missionary journey. Uh, uh, they have been called, they have been sent out, commissioned, and, and they have gone to the, uh, the island of Cyprus and, and have been serving the Lord. They've seen great blessings from God. They got help from their helper. Say amen. amen. We learned all that last week. And now they're fixing to go to another area. First area they went to uh, was familiar to Barnabas. And now they're going to go to an area that's familiar to the Apostle Paul, which is modern day Turkey. And uh, so we're going to see that. But, but really the subject that I want to deal with today is ministry. Say that with me. Ministry. Say it again. Now, when you hear the word ministry or in the ministry, you automatically think, or most people, most people do, uh, you automatically think of the preacher or a missionary or somebody that works at the church. Uh, they're in the ministry. Uh, but really, if you want to be real technical and, 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 and biblical about this deal, the word ministry just means service. A minister is a servant. Say amen. And we are all in the ministry. We are all in the ministry, and, and we'll look at that here in just a minute. Uh, ministry, serving in ministry, there are ups, and if you have ups, what do you got? Downs. There's going to be hard times and difficult times. There's going to be battles, burdens, but there's going to be blessings. Amen? And so we're going to look at that tonight and, and just encourage one another, all right? So here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. We started, uh, or actually we stopped with the, the governor uh, getting saved in, in verse 12. And so let's start in verse number 13. All right. Verse 13. When you get there, say amen. amen. Now, when Paul and his company loose from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. Now, who is this? This is John Mark, the nephew of Barnabas. This is Barnabas's sister's son. And he leaves them. He, he, he deserts them, leaves them and goes back to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down and after the reading of the law and of the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them saying, ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, what's the next two words? Say on. Say on. I don't know about y'all, but we need men all across this country to say on. Say on. Well, let's just pray there because we got a lot of reading to do and you don't need to stand the whole time. All right, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord. How many of y'all will pray for me right now? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray that the, the, the helper will help us tonight. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for the privilege of being here. Thank you for a warm building. Thank you for a hungry crowd that's came. Uh, Lord, they're here to study and to grow and to be edified and learn. Uh, Lord, thank you for all the teenagers across the road enjoying themselves over there and keep them safe. And Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. Move in an awesome way. Holy Spirit, help me today. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Influence my thinking and my words. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to I look at a couple of verses just to kind of set the table for the study, okay? Uh, uh, 
I hope we can get through this because I put a lot of information on these two pages. Uh, but I really want to set the stage for uh, just to prove that, that, that we have a ministry, all right? Uh, ministry is not just for the preacher. It's not just for the evangelist. It's not just for the, uh, the missionary. It's not just for the one that works at the church. We, we all have a ministry. Look in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, which should be right there in your notes, all right? Should be right there in the top of your notes. Look what it says. Look what it says. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. <clears throat> therefore, therefore, if any man, how many? Any. any of them. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So who is he referencing here? Any man in Christ. That means anybody that is saved. All right. So let's do a survey. Let's do a survey. How many of y'all are in Christ? Raise your hand. You, you, you're saved and you know it. Clap your hand. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. So you're, you're testifying. You're testifying by the raising of your hand. I am in Christ. I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody, somebody say amen. amen. All right. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Wonderful. Amen. That's great. That's great. But it says this. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And, and if you're in Christ, if you're a new creature, if you're born again, he hath given to us who? Any man in Christ, any man that's a new creature. That's the us. Okay. He hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Bringing two parties who are apart back together. Y'all with me? In other words, if a husband and wife is fighting and I go in and I, I help and encourage them and bring them back together and now they're, they're happily ever after, I reconcile. I help them reconcile. I brought them back together. The Bible says that Jesus reconciled every believer unto the Father. And now he's given us the ministry of doing that. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now let's keep reading. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, or in other words, not holding their sins and their, their disobedience against them, and hath committed, here we are, hath committed unto us the, the word of reconciliation. Now what would we call that? The gospel. Are y'all with me? The gospel. Now watch, now watch. So we have a ministry we have the, the means of ministry, which is the gospel, the tool of ministry, which is the gospel. So that makes us, so that makes us verse 20. Now then we are, come on everybody. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. So I've been given a ministry because I'm, I'm, I'm a brand new creature in Christ. I've been given a ministry. I've been given a tool, which is the gospel. And now God's made me an ambassador. I'm a representative of, of, of heaven. Say Amen. Now watch this, watch this, 2 Corinthians 4, 1. <clears throat> therefore, therefore seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So while we, while we go into this study, <clears throat> in this chapter, this chapter, in, 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 uh, it just sums up ministry. I mean, it really does. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know anything in my life but ministry. I was born in a, in a pastor's home. I was born in a preacher's house. And, and, and that's all I've ever known. It's all I've ever known. I've been in ministry my whole life. 
And as I look at this chapter, I, 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 can, see, I can see my life pass before my eyes. I don't even have to worry about death. It just passes before my eyes when I see this. When I see the good and the bad. When I see the ups and the downs. When I see the, the things, the struggles and, and the blessings and, and, and all of this. And I, I want to I give you this. I know some of you are going to think, man, you're going to depress all of us here. No, I'm not. I'm really, this is going to be encouraging. But it's going to be enlightening. It's going to be enlightening. It's going to help us understand some things about ministry. And I want everybody to be in ministry. I hope everybody goes this week and shares the gospel with somebody. I've been telling everybody, I've been telling, I went coon hunting last night. I, I, we went to, to Rome, Georgia to look at a school with Kenzie and got back and I was wore out and tired, but, but I got a dog and he's hunting. Say amen. And so I went with a fella uh, to Huntsville and, uh, and we was in, 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 in about that much water and, uh, uh, and the whole time, and I was sweating like a dog. I mean, I, I didn't really, really realize what I looked like till I got back in the truck and looked in the rear view mirror. But I mean, I looked, I looked horrendous. And, and, and so I, I was thirsting to death, went in there and got me a Gatorade and, and the fellow behind the counter, I said, do you know Jesus? I mean, I'm just got, I'm sweating like, a, I mean, it's cold outside and I, I look, I don't know what I look like. I look like Phyllis Diller to just come out the gym. Amen. I said, Jesus loves you. Do you know him? And he kind of looked at me. And then when I got back in the truck and looked in the mirror, I seen why. Amen. But I want to minister. I want to help him. I want him to be saved. I want him to know Christ. And everybody in here is supposed to be that. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We have a responsibility of bringing others to Jesus. Everybody. Say it with me. Say it again. Everybody. Everybody. Now, let's look at this. Let's look at this and see a few things. First, I want you to see, number one, the burdens of ministry. The burdens of ministry. And this kind of stood out. This kind of stood out in in Bondo Church Monday night. Uh, In Bondo Church Monday night, we were talking about Jesus being wearied at the well. You You remember when he met the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter number four? And, and we know there was two other ways that they could, they would usually go to kind of bypass, kind of bypass Samaria, but he went out of his way. Say it with me. He went, he went out of his way so that a sinner could get saved. And, and we were talking about his effort, the effort that he made, even though he was weary with his journey, even though he was tired, uh, he went out of his way. It was not, it was not convenient to do what he did, but yet he ministered. Are y'all with me? Now, this is the first thing I saw. This is the first thing I saw, the burden of ministry. Ministry is not easy. Ministry is not easy. I'll tell you like Brother Russell Marsh used to tell me when we was doing trim work. He'd put me doing crown molding and some of the stuff. I'd whine and complain. I said, man, this is hard. He said, son, if it was easy, they wouldn't need us. (laughs) Now, guys, if ministry was easy, everybody would be doing it. Are you all with me? Now watch this. Let's, let's read this. Let's look at this. Uh, some of this is really simple, but, but then others, others <laughs> you'll see. All right. A, first we see the difficult traveling. The difficult traveling. I want to show you a map. <clears throat> we should have two maps, I think. I want to show you a map. <clears throat> all right. Now we've left Antioch over here. All right. Man, I should have got my pointer. All right. All right. That's okay. That's okay. We see Antioch on the right, okay? We, this, is the, this is the Antioch. This is the Antioch that they left, the Antioch of Syria. Say that with me. The Antioch of Syria. 
Now, we're going to end up in another Antioch, but it'll be the Antioch in modern-day Turkey, okay? It's two different places. So when we see that, you'll understand he's not going back to where they started. It's, a, it's another Antioch in a different place. If that, if that makes sense, say amen. All right, so first they left Antioch, and they went to Cyprus. And they've worked, and they've ministered, and they've preached in Cyprus. Thank you. All right. You're awesome. All right. All right. Hey, did you get that, that, uh, that answer to your question? Okay, all right, cool, cool, cool. All right, here's Antioch. This is where they started, Antioch of Syria. They left there and they came to the island of Cyprus. They worked their way around through the whole island, ministering and serving. Don't sneak up behind me. <clears throat> all right, now we've got Paphos. Now they have left here. All right, the last thing that happened was the Roman governor. The Roman governor got saved. Say amen. And so it's time to leave the island. And, and, and remember, this was, this was Barnabas's. It, we got Paul and Barnabas serving together, right? Paul and Barnabas, John Mark's with them. But, but this, is where, this is where Barnabas was from. Now they're going up here to work in the area where Paul is from. If that makes sense, say amen. I mean, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're going to go out, might as well go to places you're familiar with. Amen. And, and, and try to pick some easy fruit, you know? So, so here we go. We land here. Now, we're, this, is, this is where we land, but we got to travel. We got to travel up through here to Antioch. Now, look at this second map. Look at this second map. This is more of a top, topographical map. Do y'all see that mountain range? See that mountain range we got to go through? Preacher, what are you saying? Sometimes ministry is not convenient. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Just keep your eyes on that. Just keep your eyes on that. Now watch this. Now watch this. The road from Perga to Poseidon, Antioch was about 100 miles. It was very difficult and very dangerous. It wound its way through the rugged Taurus Mountains, clinging to cliffs that ascended to dizzying heights. Travelers also had to cross the turbulent and flood-prone Cestrus and Eurymedon rivers, the Taurus mountains were notorious for the robber bands who infested them. Those brigands who had plagued, in other words, bands of robbers, who had plagued Alexander the Great and Augustus Caesar were still unsubdued in Paul's time. Now let's look at your notes. Look at the verses in your notes. So we've got, we've got terrible mountains, uh, uh, very, very dangerous cliffs that you got to walk through. All right, you've got mountains that are full of robbers, bands of robbers. You've got, you've got rivers that are swollen and you've got to cross in the dangers. You might drown. Are y'all with me? Now let's read Paul's testimony in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is his, this is his testimony after being in the ministry. He says in journey, now he, I, I, I didn't add the verses where he talked about being stoned and being beaten with rods. That's a couple verses up. I just put these here. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, those are those rivers, and in perils of robbers. Now you can read the rest of the verses, but you'll see in weariness and painfulness. Not only that, Galatians 4.10 says this. Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preach the gospel unto you at the first. There are, there are Bible scholars that believe that there's a great possibility that the Apostle Paul had malaria. 
And so he's moving, he's moving from the coast into the mountain regions because it's cooler, cooler uh, weather up there to help fight the malaria. That's what some say. We, don't, we, we can't be dogmatic about that. But there's a great possibility that Paul was sick during this time. And so Paul is sick. He is traveling through roads that are very dangerous. There are bands of robbers everywhere. Listen, he's got to hang on cliffs, cross swollen rivers to minister. Preacher, what are you saying? It's not easy. It's not easy. If you're in this for a convenient thing, you're in, you're in the wrong deal. And, and, and let me say this. Let me say this. If you're not willing to walk across the cubicle and share the gospel with your neighbor, don't claim to be a disciple of Christ. Are y'all with me? I'm just going to tell you right now, the ministry is difficult. The ministry is messy. The ministry is tough. And all God's people say it. So you have a difficult terrain, difficult traveling, a difficult way to go. I mean, we haven't even got to the preaching yet. Are y'all with me? So we have very, very difficult traveling. Then B, then B. Look at, look at verse number, look at verse number, help me, help me, help me. Verse 13. <clears throat> look at verse 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. We not only have in ministry difficult traveling, but we got deserting support. Deserting support. Preacher, what are you saying? <clears throat> I'm saying this. John Mark came to assist them, to, to, to be a blessing to them on the ministry trail, to support them in their efforts to bring the gospel to every creature. And John Mark is the nephew of Barnabas, Barnabas's sister's son. And, and so here's what we have. Now, it doesn't say, it doesn't say why he deserted them. It doesn't give the reasons. It doesn't give, uh, you know, uh, he, he left for such and such a reason. Uh, but, but we do know he left. And, and, and some have speculated that he was afraid of the robbers in the mountains. Uh, some uh, that he just, he just wasn't cut out for ministry, you know, for the, for the foreign field or for this arduous journey, whatever it might be. The point is he left. Okay. And so let's just leave it at that. Let's not speculate or anything. Let's just leave it at that. Now, why are you saying this preacher? You got to understand something. There's going to be times in ministry when people will leave. There's going to be times when people will not stick with you. There's going to be times when, when people are going to disappoint you. You're going to think that they're going to be with you through thick and thin, through hell or high water, no matter what. They're going to be in, and, and that's just not the case. There's going to be people that will, will say they're going to be with you. There's going to be people that say they're going to be for you. There's going to be people that say, hey, we're going to, we're going to listen, till, till Jesus comes, we're in the deal. And that's just not reality. That's just not reality. And, 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 and you notice Travis was the only one that said amen right there. You know why? Because he knows I'm telling the truth. Through the years, through the years, people have come and gone, come and gone. I, 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 I rarely, I rarely even look at, at church, uh, what do you call them, think church directories anymore. 
because it's almost depressing because you see people who's no longer here for whatever reason, uh, for whatever issue. Uh, and and this, is, this is what I'm going to say about this. I'm not going to tarry too much on this, but I just need you to understand something. And this is not just in ministry. This is life in general. If people can leave you, let them. Let them. Don't beg somebody to stay in your life. Don't beg somebody to stay by your side. Because if you do, you're going to have to keep doing it to keep them there. And if you, if you, make, if you make concessions or if you make, uh, 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 what's the word? Not concessions, but help me. Uh, if you cater to them, guess what? You're going to have to keep doing and keep doing and keep doing. I found this out. The people that want to be with me will do whatever it takes to be with me. And everybody, every, uh, listen, uh, uh, and I, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice, Phil, y'all. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, here's the, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. You got to understand, there are going to be people that leave you that need to. I heard an illustration. I heard an illustration that, that, that was probably one of the best I've ever heard ever. Uh, there are, there are, how many of y'all have seen, how many of y'all have seen buildings going up? <clears throat> how many of y'all have seen what's called scaffolding? Y'all seen scaffolding? I mean, you, you see the scaffolding goes around the whole building and it looks like the building. It really does. It's in the same shape of the building. It's in the same size of the building all the way up. It's scaffolding. But you know what scaffolding is? It's temporary. It's temporary. And it's only there long enough till the building's up. And I found this out in ministry. There are people that's the building and there's people that's the scaffolding. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, I don't want people that's just the scaffolding, but it takes the scaffolding to get the building up. You know what I've learned? God will bring in people to use their effort, to use their energy, to use their resources and to help you get where you need to be and help you do and accomplish something. And then God will remove some people out of your life. And I found out this, the people that have, usually have to leave or are going to leave and are going to leave me, I have found out that they need to. Because the people that I begged and pleaded, oh, come back, oh, come back, oh, come back. Listen, they ended up being the biggest pain. Mm -hmm. Now, I know this may go against some of your theology. I know this is going to go against some of your theology. But if, if, if people leave, I'm not chasing you. I don't have the gift of running you down. I, I'm, just, I'm just not. I've heard people say, well, you, nobody even, listen, if they leave, let them. Say, why are you saying all that? Because I've already ran further and I've read further where God turned it around at the end. But it took God doing it. Are y'all with me? Now, what's the real point of this point? Don't get mad with God because he took somebody out of your life. And don't get upset if everybody is not as passionate about your ministry as you are. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. Sometimes I can get a thought and man, God will show me something in a chapter and I'll go down the hallway tell, telling people, hey, let me show you what God showed me. Okay. 
Okay. I heard. <laughs> oh man, I said I don't think I should admit this. We was in class one night, and one. There's always that one. And this kid was goofy. As, I mean, he was run over by something at a young age. And, and, and Travis, I'll tell you who it is afterwards, but they're watching on video, all right? <laughs> and, and, and it was question and answer time. Our favorite time during, during uh, class, and Dr. Brown was up there, and he said, he said, uh, Dr. Brown, do we need, because they were single at the time. He said, do we need to be looking for a wife who is passionate about ministry as we are? And Preacher Brown's got them glasses on the end of his nose, and he looks, he said, No. He said, I don't want a wife passionate about me drive. I want a passionate about cooking. I want, you know, you know what he knows? It ain't going to Nobody is going to be as passionate about what God put in you as you are. So whatever reason, whatever reason that John left, it didn't set well with Paul, and we'll discuss that later, but he had to deal with that. Now, I know what you're thinking. Boy, he's kind of he's callous and he's kind of hard. He just said, let people walk if they can walk. That doesn't mean that I don't cry my eyes out every time it happens. And if you can, you're not a shepherd. It bothers me. I can't stand it. I don't like it when people leave. I don't like it when people don't like something about temple. I don't, I don't like, this is my heart. This is my life. And, and I, want, I want everybody to love what I love. But I have just come to realize that's just not reality. And one of the burdens about ministry is not just the trail. It's not just the road you're traveling. It's not just the difficulty you have to face. It's people walking out on you. And all God's people see it. Then number, or letter C, look at this. There's not only difficult traveling or difficult terrain, whichever word you want to use. There's deserting support. <clears throat> Paul even said, he, he told Timothy, he said, do thy diligence to come shortly after me. He said, for Demas hath forsaken me. See, see, John ain't the only one that ever walked out on Paul. It's a difficult, difficult thing. But then see, there's disrupting issues. Not only difficult traveling and deserting support, but disrupting issues. We're going to have to go later on in this chapter, which I kind of, Go against how I normally do it. Uh, but look, look toward the end. After he preaches the message, which we'll come back to, look what it says in verse 44. Verse 44. When you get there, say amen. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul contradicting and blaspheming. So what are the disruptive issues? Envious critics. Envious critics. You see, they, they preached they preach and they shared the gospel. They did what they were supposed to do. They did what they were called to do. And man, it worked. They, they experienced incredible favor of God and incredible success. And the whole city came out. Now you would think anybody that loved God, 
You think anybody that knew God or was any familiar with God or was religious at all would be tickled to death that a whole city come out to hear the word of God. But guess what? Uh-uh. You know what happened? They were envious. What does envy mean? You wanting what somebody else has. You know the, you know the, <laughs> I've never had one, I've never had one low down sinner who down in the gutter, I've never had one addict ever say, I tell you what, I think, I think that temple place is a cult. <laughs> Have you ever seen the riffraff going up into that place? I, I've never seen a drunk or a, a drug addict. I, I've never seen people who, who people classify as big sinners. I've never seen them have a problem with temple. The only people I've ever seen have a problem with temple is other church people. Mm-hmm. And y'all watching, I'm talking about you. Envious critics. What were they envious of? They didn't have them kind of crowds when they had their service. And not only that, I believe, I, I believe a prejudiced spirit had a lot to do with it too. Because the biggest part of the crowds were Gentiles. Are y'all with me? So what happened when they got envious? What happened when they wanted what somebody else had? They started criticizing. Be careful when you listen to criticism. Because all criticism is, is an effort to make one look better by putting someone else down. And the thing about criticism, it's a mask. It's just hiding what's really there. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And Paul's having to deal with this. Now imagine this. Imagine this. He's probably sick with malaria. Most likely he's sick. He's got some kind of infirmity. All right. He's done traveled a hundred miles through, through robber infested mountains having to cling to the side of cliffs and going in, in little old narrow alleyways and having to cross swollen rivers and risk his life to get there. And he just gets through preaching a great sermon and he's expecting God to move and people to love it. And they criticize. Boy, it's quiet in here. Y'all, y'all do realize, y'all do realize that every time God gives us a lesson, we got to practice it that week. Somebody's going to have a problem with what you do at Temple Baptist Church if what you're doing is making a difference. Are y'all with me? Everybody is not going to be as excited as God's blessings on you as you are. I remember, I remember Dr. Craig Edwards saying, he, he said, he told me one time, he says, can you handle being blessed? I thought, I think I can. <laughs> Pour it on me, you know. But guess what happened when Joseph was blessed? It got him thrown in the pit. Then he was sold into slavery. And then he was, he was lied about. And then he, then he was put in prison. You know, sometimes when God blesses you, you got to put up with criticism. I used to tell people, I used to tell people, you know, every time God moves really big in the church, 
you know, there would be people that would be disgruntled or mad and leave just about every time. I mean, you can almost trace it back. And, 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 and here's the thing you got to understand. Five families left, but 50 came to see why them five left. <laughs> Let them criticize. Let them criticize. Are y'all with me? Say it with me. Just move on. Say it with me. Say it again. Move on. These are the burdens. These are the burdens of ministry. But then look at this. Look at this. Let's look at the basis of ministry. Let's get to the fun part. <clears throat> the basis of ministry. Look what it says. In verse number, verse number uh, uh, 14. 14. Now here's how they would do it. This is how Paul and Barnabas would do it. He, this, is, this is his uh, mode of operation. He would go somewhere, he would go to a city, and he would find the Jewish synagogue, okay? Now, there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. It's to the Jew first and also to the Greek, you know. But I believe, personally, it was because he went to the people who were most familiar with scriptures. Are y'all with me? Which would be the Jewish people, because in the Jewish synagogues, they would have scripture there. And Paul would use the scripture that they had to bring them to a place where they understood who Christ was. If that makes sense, say amen. So this was his mode of operation. They would get to the city, they would find the synagogue, and they would go when they had the scripture reading on the Sabbath. So is everybody together on that? All right, now let's look at verse 14, verse number 14. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia. Now remember, this is in Turkey, right? Modern day Turkey. This is not in Syria. This is in another place. If that makes sense, say amen. And they went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, what? Say on. Come on, say it again. Say on. Say it again. Say on. Here's what I put. Write, write this down. Write this down. First, we see the need. When we see the ministry, I want you to see the need. The need. He said, do you have a word of exhortation? Do you have a word of exhortation? Here we have, here we have these two men, these two missionaries, they've come in here and the leaders of the synagogues, and it was customary to let a, another rabbi or a visitor speak if they've got a word. And this is what they're asking for. Do you have a word of exhortation? He said, if you do, then be my guest and say on. And you know what he's saying by that? We need to hear it. We need to hear it. Now, what is exhortation? Look at the definition. Exhortation. Look right there in your notes. The form of words intended to incite and encourage. Well, y'all know I'm going to have to look up them words. Say amen. All right. Incite. Incite. Let's read it. What does incite mean? To move the mind to action by persuasion. To stir up, to rouse, to spur on. Are y'all, can you see what he's saying? We need to be stirred up. We need to be roused. We need to be, listen, we need to be motivated. Motivate us to action, persuade us to move on. But then encouragement, then encouragement. The act, say it with me. The, the act of giving courage or confidence of success. Let's read it again. The act of giving courage or confidence of success. 
Here's what you got to know. The basis of ministry is there is a great need. What do you, what do you need to know if you're a minister? What do you need to know if you're going to be successful in ministry? You got to understand there is a great need. We are living in a broken world. We're living in a broken society. We're living in a broken culture. We're living in hopeless and helpless times. We're living in times where people are afraid and they don't know where else to turn. And listen, we need men of God. We need ladies of God. We need people who know God to stand up and encourage and incite and persuade and say on. Say amen. There is a need. People are looking. People are wanting. People are desiring. And and the world is offering them stuff that's not satisfying and it's not fulfilling. And when we have the answer, we're sitting back and not saying anything. But we need to do like the leader of the synagogue. Stand up and say on. The Bible says be ready always to give an answer to any man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. You know what tickles me to death about this passage? Paul didn't say, no, I don't have nothing. No, no, no. He stood right up. He said, man, do I have a word of encouragement? Do I have a word of incitement? Let me tell you who Jesus is. There's a need. We've got lost people, we've got hurting people, we've got broken people, we've got needy people, and you've got the answer to all of it. Say on. You need to say on at the school. You need to say on at the workplace. You need to say on at the marketplace. No matter where you find yourself, say on. It doesn't matter if you look like Phyllis Diller coming from the gym. Tell them in there, say on. No matter where you are, what you're doing. If there's an opportunity to say on, then you need to say on. I don't know why you did that. He might not know Jesus. Y'all with me? Why are we even here? There's a great need. Say it with me. There's a. Why'd Paul risk his life to go through the mountains? Why'd Paul risk his life to, to go through the band of robbers? Why did Paul put up with the critics and the deniers and and the people who gave him grief the whole time? Because he knew. Come on. He knew there was a great need. What's the basis of ministry? Brother Travis, there's a need. You got to go to the streets because there's a need. You got to go to the Philippines because there's a need. You got to go to Birmingham because there's a need. We got to go to Holly Pond because there's a need. Are y'all with me? There's a great need. He said, please, say on. If you got something that's going to help us, that's what he's saying. And say on. I'm glad he did. Amen? Listen, when it comes to the basis of ministry, we got to understand the great need. There is a need. Say that with me. There is a need. Say it again. Then, Then B, write this down. We not only see the need, but we see the people. Verse 16, verse 16, then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand. Watch what he says. Ye men of Israel and, that means there's two different groups here. Ye men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience or pay attention. Here you have two different people. You have Gentiles and you have Jews. The people that feared God were Jewish proselytes. Now, what was that? What was a proselyte? It was a Jew that became or converted to Judaism. 
If he was a male, then he would be circumcised. And he would follow the tenets of Judaism. If everybody understands that, say amen. amen. So you got two different people in this congregation. And Paul understood, Paul understood the need of reaching everybody. He came to the Jew first, but he didn't leave out the Greek. Amen. He didn't leave out the Gentile. He came to whosoever. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. After we've read what we've read, I mean, you not only see people who are critics, you see people who are causing problems. And I, I don't even think I gave you, did y'all write that? Did they put the other answer up on, underneath the other one? The, the troublemakers? The troublemakers? All right. That's, what, which, which letter is that? C2? C2. What was the complete answer? Something troublemaker. Ignorant. That's right. I like that word. If they're going to be a troublemaker, they're ignorant. Say amen. They didn't realize that they had the answer. They, they're bringing hope and help, but yet they ran them off, expelled them out, right? So we have all this people. You have people. Now, it's been said, it's been said foolishly, man, ministry would be great if it wasn't for the, oh, ain't y'all just spiritual in here. Ministry would be great if it wasn't for the, the people. But you know what? If it wasn't for the people, there would be no ministry. Now, where are we going to go with this? Where are we going to go with this? We got to love everybody. Even the irritating ones. All of them. Yeah, you too, Andrew, you too. You know, that's real, that's real easy to say when you're in church. But when your neighbor, I'll just leave that there. Some of y'all are lucky to have good neighbors, but some of you are not. When the person at work, you know, hey, what about the one you live with? Whoop, that's right, Miss Diane. Whoop. Sometimes it's family. Hey, Barnabas' nephew deserted him. Preacher, what are you saying? Listen, let's remember people are people. A statement was made. A statement was made. It's reminding me all the time. A wise man, wise man. He hunts with me, and sometimes my dog don't act right. <clears throat> Can you believe that, Phil, y'all? Just don't act right. Doesn't do what he's supposed to do. And I get frustrated because I'm not the most patient type. And, and I just get irritated, and I, I want to sell everything and quit. And this is what he said. He said, son, they just dogs. They just dogs. They're going to have good days, and they're going to have bad days. Now, some of y'all are going to get upset because I'm comparing you to a coon dog. <laughs> but guess what? It is what it is. When that person, just remember, they're just people. People are going to let you down. 
People are going to disappoint you. People are going to hurt your feelings. But be careful that you have a higher expectation of them than you do of yourself. Just understand they're people. I can't tell you how many times I've got to talk staff members off a cliff. Preacher, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. I said, son, they're just people. And, and, and we don't pay them to come. They come on their own. It's not like we can dock their pay. Amen. I'm being a little transparent tonight. But just keep in mind, if you're going to be a minister, ministry has to do with people. And people are broken. And people are flawed. Are y'all with me? Now, watch the next one. Watch the next one. Ministry. We see the message. In every ministry, there's a great need. There are people. But then there's a message. All right? The need, the, verse 15. The people, verse 16. And then look at the message. And I, I'm going to go, this is, this is the first recorded, by the way, this is the first recorded sermon of the Apostle Paul. And it's the longest, too. So we're not going to go in, into exact detail for every single point. It would do you good to do it because it's really cool. But here's what I want to do. I, I broke it down in kind of a, like an outline. So we have verses 17, verses 17 through 22. What does he do? He basically gives an introduction. He gives a historical background. Where is he at? Where is he speaking at? Say it again. Antioch. In Antioch. But where at in Antioch? The at the synagogue. Now, what kind of people were at the synagogue? Jewish people. So guess what he starts with? Jewish history. All right? He begins to talk about the Jewish history, the background of the Jewish people, where the Jewish people came from, all the way down to King David. He went through and just boom, 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 bullet points going down all the way to King David. Now, why would he do that? Because he's setting the stage to present to them Jesus. Now, look at the last verse. Look at the last verse. Throughout the history, throughout the history, did he use as an introduction to grab their attention? Now, this is what he said, verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. What was part of the will? That the Messiah would come through David's line. Are y'all with me? Say amen. They are familiar with the word. They're familiar with the law. They're familiar with the promises of Messiah that would come through the line of David. So what does he do in his introduction? He sets the stage. He gives the history of the Jewish people all the way down to King David. Now watch this. Look at the second thing. We find the introduction, 17 through 22. Then we see the proposition. This is what he proposes to them. He wants to get across to them and help them understand. Verse 23, of this man's seed, who David, hath God according to his promise raised unto Israel a... And who is he? Jesus. Somebody say amen. You see what he did? He did an intro. Now, if you just, if you just started... If you just started with Jesus, they'd be confused. If you say, hey, listen, you need to believe in Jesus. They'd say, well, who is Jesus? 
So what did he do? He set the stage and he went through the history of the Jewish people and told them and reminded them that God was going to send a Messiah through David's loins. And then he says, and guess what? His name is Jesus. Are y'all with me? There has never been a message that was worth its salt if it doesn't have Jesus in it. Every message should be about Jesus or point somebody to Jesus. Say amen. Now watch. He sets them up with the introduction. Then he gives them the proposal. He tells them it's about Jesus. We came to tell you about Jesus. This word of exhortation, this encouragement that I want to give you is to tell you about Jesus. So he, what does he propose? What is he, what is he proposing to them? That Jesus is the Messiah. If that makes sense, say amen. Here's what he's saying. Jesus is the Messiah. Now look at the next part. The next part. The next few verses. Which would be, which would be verses 24 to 37. He sets in, beginning with John Baptist. He begins with John Baptist all the way to 37. Proving, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. What a preacher. What a preacher. A preacher's message should always challenge you. It should cause you to think. It should move you to to action. Are y'all with me? So what does he do? He sets them up with the introduction, grabs their attention, because what he is saying, and this is another thing too, you got to know your congregation. You got to know what's going to interest them. All right, so you get their attention by talking about what would be familiar to them or what would interest them. And he went through the Jewish history and he says, let me tell you, this is what I want to propose to you, that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah that was promised to our fathers. Y'all with me? Then the third part of it was now let me prove it. Say it with me. Now let me And he starts with John Baptist. And he goes all the way down. And watch this now. This is the key. This is the key. Everything that he used for proof, he backed it up with Scripture. Now watch this. Watch this. This is big. This is big. In the proof, guess what he used? It's called the gospel. Now in those verses where we see the proof, Guess what he included in there? The death, burial. Come on. We see the of the Lord Jesus. You know what that's called? The gospel. You know why the gospel is significant? It is the power of God unto salvation. You know what Paul said about the gospel? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Somebody say amen. I am ready to preach the gospel. Are y'all with me? How'd he prove Jesus? He just preached the gospel. Well, I don't know if that'll work. Well, if it don't, if it don't, whatever you're giving them ain't going to work either. We, We can't manipulate people into believing. We can't manipulate people into getting saved. We've got to give them the gospel, the truth, and let Jesus do his thing. Are y'all with me? So, what does he do? 
He gives them the proof. He gives them the proof. Then look at the next thing. We see the introduction, the proposition, the proof, and then the invitation. Man, there should always be an invitation. Verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, who's this man? Jesus is preached unto you. What's he offering them? The forgiveness of sins. And by him, who is him? Jesus. By him, all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. What does he do? He gives an invitation. First, he proposes that Jesus is the Messiah. Then he sets in to give proof that he is the Messiah. Then he says, let me invite you to come to him for forgiveness of sin. Is this awesome? What a sermon. I wish we had the time, which we don't, to go into great detail about this is great. You need to go home and read this. It's awesome stuff. I mean, he gives verse after verse after he quotes Isaiah. He quotes Psalms twice. And he gives them a verse for each thing. He gives them what they're familiar with. He goes to the Old Testament to prove that Jesus was the Messiah of the New Testament. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Well, guess what, guys? We got the old and. He only had a single shot. We got a double barrel. Amen? Now, watch. There's the last thing. In the conclusion, he gave a warning. In the conclusion, he said, let me me wrap this up. Let me wrap this sermon up by saying this. Verse 40. What's that first word? Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which was spoken of in the prophets. Now he's fixing to quote Habakkuk. So he's quoting another Bible verse of the Old Testament. Behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise, what? Though a man declare it unto you. So what does he do? He, he presents to them Jesus. He gives them the proof. He invites them to come to forgiveness. And then he warns them not to be an unbeliever. What a sermon. What is the ministry? The ministry is really not that complicated. It's really not. We make it complicated. We make it difficult. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's not like we've got enough stress. But we, we, make, we make ministry about all kind of things. But really, ministry is just this. There's a great need. And there's a bunch of people with that great need. And the only thing that's going to help them is the message of the gospel. That's the ministry. I don't care in what form or fashion of ministry you're in, whether you're working with the addicted or whether you're working with, with in the financial realm of ministry or in the homeless realm of ministry or in the music realm of ministry or whatever it might be, it does not matter. Bottom line is, is there's people, they have a great need, and the only, need that's gonna, or only thing that's going to meet that need is the message of the gospel. That's the ministry. And all God's people see it. Now, so far, we've learned that it's hard. It's difficult. People will walk out on you. People have caused trouble. Ignorant people will be troublemakers and do everything they can to stop you. And it's very difficult. But let me tell you about the blessings of ministry. Before we leave, we cannot, we cannot stop without saying what a blessing the ministry is. What do we see? Look in verse number. 
Look in verse number 44. <clears throat> well, let's go back. Let's go back. Look at verse 42. 42. Paul gets through with the sermon. Paul gets through with the sermon. And it says, And when the Jews were going out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. In other words, there were some people that believed right away. And they were, do you see the hunger? You may tell you what's a blessing to the preacher when somebody's hungry for what you got to say. I would rather have this size crowd right here where everybody's got your notes out, you got your pen, you're sitting, you're like a bunch of hungry hogs at a trough. <laughs> In a completely jam-packed building waiting for us to get out. Now watch this. Look at the next. Now, but I will take both. <laughs> All right? I'm not against a jam-packed building this hungry as a hog at a trough. Say amen. Now watch. Watch. Look at the next thing. And the next Sabbath, the next Sabbath came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Preacher, what's the blessing of the ministry? A, when you're blessed in attendance. The whole city came out. Now, preacher, what do you, what do you mean by that? Look at Galatians 6, 9. Look at Galatians 6, 9. It's right there in your notes. It's right there under, under A. Are you there? Say amen. Let's all read it together. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall, if we, everybody read it again. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Guys, don't quit. Don't get discouraged. You, you microchurch leaders in here, if your microchurch is small, just keep it up. Just keep it up. I remember one of the first ministries I had when I was in Bible college. I was, I was responsible for going into a, a low-income housing project on Broad Street. And on the second floor, there was a community center. Just a big open room where they could come do whatever. Where I would go in there on Wednesdays and preach. And I would go in and invite people from the building and come down and, 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 uh, and just have a service there. And I remember one particular night, one lady showed up. It was the one where the, the devil worship was in there. The one that pulled the gun on me, Travis, you remember that? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I prayed certain prayers for him. <laughs> anyway, this one woman came. The only one to come the whole time. And I walked in, and, and she was the only one there. She says, well, Rev, what are we going to do? I said, get your Bible. <clears throat> I opened that Bible up, and I started preaching. I preached like there was a 1,000 people in the room. People walking down the aisle, just looking in there, and this preacher going after it, foaming at the mouth, and one lady sitting there looking at him. <laughs> Listen, there's been times. I, re I, remember, I remember a specific time when we were still in the little building. It was, I think it was a Wednesday night or a Sunday night. I think it was a Wednesday night. 
And we had a, a visiting missionary come. And I don't know what in the world happened. I don't know how. It, it was just when we first got here and we was really struggling bad. But there was only like three or four people there. And, and we had the, the visiting missionary that we supported. And, man, I was so embarrassed. I, I was so disappointed. I'm telling you, I, I just, it was just a difficult, difficult thing. Man, I just kept praying. I just kept praying. I said, God, you got to help. I remember I would come. I would come on Wednesday nights. And I would have everybody. Now, the building would only seat 97 people. 97. I counted every single chair. The, first, the very first Sunday I walked in the building, I counted every chair. See, how many we can, I don't know why. I wasn't even coming as a pastor, but that's just the way my brain, they were looking to see what wall we can knock out, you know? No, no lie, no lie. We hold 97 chairs. And I had everybody sit all the way on this side and all the way to the front. And my motivational speech was this. Ladies and gentlemen, one day, listen, God's going to bless us. One day, we're going to fill up this whole side. Man, I wasn't even trying to fill the whole building. I just wanted to fill the side, you know. Man, we just kept working. We just kept praying. We just kept preaching. We just kept singing. We just kept serving. We just kept on and on. And, and you know what? I remember as we, they started filtering more to the back. And before long, Man, that, that side, and before long, a couple of them trickled over to the other side. Not because they wanted to, but because they had to. I know, I know, I know some of y'all think this is weird and crazy. But you wouldn't if you'd have been there. It's not always been like this. We have, we have a, I think the largest, largest auditorium besides Wallace in Coleman and we have to have two services on Sunday. But it's not always been like that. Listen, if you're not where you want to be in whatever it is God has called you to be, just keep working. Just keep praying. Just keep serving. Because we shall reap if we faint not. Paul was criticized. Listen, Paul went through the mountains. Paul was struggling with sickness. Paul's support deserted him. But you know what? God blessed his efforts. And the whole city come out. And all God's people see it. Now watch this. This is big. What's the blessings of the ministry? When God blesses your attendance. Verse 44. But then, when he gives you boldness in adversity, verse 46, what happens? A bunch of envious Jews got angry at the good crowd. So they begin to criticize Paul and begin to contradict what he was saying, and not only that, but blaspheme Jesus. But watch what happens. And by the way, by the way, everybody know if you do something for God, you're going to have friction. Period. Period. If you do something for God, Satan's going to come against you. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Watch what happens. Verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. Say it with me. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. waxed bold and said it was necessary 
that the word of God should have first been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we turn to the Gentiles. What do you have? A bunch of Jews that don't like what he's saying. Verse 47, watch this. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation in the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were, come on, say it with me. They were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Preacher, what does that mean? When you're serving God, there's going to be people mad, but there's going to be people say amen. If you're leading the way, guys, there's going to be somebody mad. This used to be really difficult for me. Because as adorable as I am, I want everybody to be glad. I do. I want everybody to be glad. I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to like me. But one of the hardest things I had to learn in the ministry is if you stand for something, you're going to make somebody mad. You just are. Amen? But here's what you got to do. Don't do what I do or did. Sometimes you can have you can have 995 glad and five mad. And all you can see is the five. Don't do that. Here's what you got to do. You got to focus on the glad. Now, I'm going a little bit long, but I got to do this because this is important. Look at me, guys. When I'm preaching, if I run across one of them mad and they're there, I'll go. I just use you as an illustration, Miss Diana. You're, you're, the, you're the glad ones, all right? And then you're always going to have that one out there that's just. I'll focus on that one. Listen, there's going to be people in your lives that are going to be mad. But just say to them, maybe not just to yourself about them, <laughs> what my grandma always said, they got the same britches to get glad in. <laughs> Let's practice that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And move with the movers. Say, I don't think Paul did that. Oh, really? I got a verse for you. Look here. The Jews stirred up the devout and honorable men and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But watch what they did on the way out. Verse 51. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. You got to shake the dust off. Amen. This is, I got a point for that. 
I got a point for that. What was A? Tell me what A was. Okay, I didn't hear nothing y'all said. The blessing in attendance. B? Boldness and adversity. I'm glad God will give us boldness. But then write this down. The beauty in acceptance. What do I got to accept? You're going to have to accept you can't fix everybody. You're going you're to have to accept. What was that shaking that dust off? They were moving with the movers. They were accepting the fact we can't fix everybody. Hey, guess what, guys? Jesus didn't fix everybody. He said, I have chosen 12 and one of you is a devil. Now, listen, if, if, if Jesus' batting average ain't a thousand, yours ain't going to be. There's going to be some people that's going to walk away. They're supposed to be on your side. There's going to be some people that's mad. But there's going to be some people that's glad. What do you do with the ones that's mad? Just shake the dust off. What do you do with those that's glad? You just rejoice with them. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all really don't appreciate what you just learned, but you will. You will. Because life, life will bring people in your life and take people out of your life. And you've got to learn to rejoice with the glad and shake the dust off with the mad. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus.